Hey, you're listening to What a Killer Podcast, and I'm your host, Nancy. I wanted to start the episode off just kind of checking in with everyone, seeing how everyone's doing. I know the holiday season is coming real, real fast, so uh, that usually comes with a lot of stress. Uh, depression around this time of year is quite high for a extreme amount of people, so just wanted to see what everyone is doing. Uh, you know, if you're having a hard time, there are resources out there. Um, you know, it is, I know it's a lot. It is a stressful time of year, but just remember this is temporary. Um, it will be over and, uh, yeah, try to enjoy it. You know, that the Christmas was supposed to be about a time just being happy and being with your family and, um, all those things, right? I know it's hard, especially, my God, like yesterday I went out and buy groceries. Not even groceries. I bought, I didn't even get a cart. That's how, <laughs> that's how little of the amount of items I had. I didn't even get a fucking cart. Now I am one of those crazy people who will like pile it in my arms like fucking Tetris, but, uh, and walk around the store almost dropping everything. But, uh, Man, I spent like a hundred bucks and I think it was like a bag, a bag and a half of stuff for like, I don't know, what's it going to last a couple days? Like, it's fucking ridiculous. Um, so I get it. I know it's a hard time for everyone, guys, but you're not in it alone. Like I said, there are resources. There are people. Fucking send me a message if you want. We can talk about how bullshit everything is. You know, and as a mom, I get it. You try so hard to get your kids like everything they want. You want to make it special. You want to make it great, but that's not always possible. Um, so yeah, fuck, I get it. <laughs> it's a rough time, but like I said, it literally lasts what, like a week with everything. So, um, just try to enjoy it. Try to find some happiness somewhere along, along the way. And, uh, yeah, there is help. There is resources out there. There's food banks there. Um, you know, I'm sure your community offers some kind of assistance. There are places you can call just to kind of chat and, you know, like I said, fucking message, like message me, man. We'll talk. We'll, uh, send me an email or something. We can, uh, talk about how shitty the economy has gone. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get to the story, though. I just, like I said, I wanted to do a quick check-in and just let everyone know that uh, it sucks for us all right now. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I am excited for Christmas. I do love that time of year. I just, it's so beautiful out, people with their lights, and, you know, your kids get, like, a week, couple weeks off school. Um, I don't know. It's not the same as when we were kids, obviously, and, I mean all these different generations are listening to this, but Christmas is never the same as when you're a child. So all you can do is hope to, if you do have kids to make it special for them now. So they feel that way when they get older. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, do what you can, you know? All right. Let's get to the case though. Cause, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> what we're here for. All right. So today, we are talking about a doozy. This one is pretty wild. Um, it is a Canadian case in Ontario, actually not super far from me. I know the area quite well. I used to go there a lot with my friend, uh, used to spend our summers kind of up this way near Trenton. So, 
Um, yeah. All right. Let's get this going. So on September 17th, 2009, a young mother, she was only in her 20s, or she was only 20, sorry. She had a eight-week-old baby in the next room. Uh, we are going to call her Jane Doe. She never wanted to be identified, which, you know, we're going to 100% respect here. Uh, she called 911 in the town of Tweed, Ontario. The, it's around 6,000 people. Like, it's a smaller town, but still quite a bit going on. She said uh, she had been awoken to a pillow being pressed into her head at around 1 a.m. She asked if he was going to kill her. He said no. He did ask her for a few questions, like just some random personal questions, then sat her at the edge of the bed, put her hands behind her back, hit her three times in the head, and then bound her hands. He then took nine photos from her being clothed and blindfolded to naked and posed in derogatory ways. In the final picture, she is covered in a blanket, sitting against a wall, bound and blindfolded. He did not rape her, but he did, like, touch her breasts and fondle her a bunch of times, uh, making her very uncomfortable. Uh, he then stole five pairs of underwear and a few items he thought would contain his DNA. You know, some touch DNA and things. He did, however, leave some items behind with his DNA. <laughs> Just for future note. Uh, so this assault lasted about two hours. Can you fucking imagine being woken up to this shit not knowing you know if he's gonna kill you like your fucking baby is in the next room you'd think for sure he was going to kill you right or harm the baby anything like fuck so um i don't have any information on her now and honestly i didn't want to find out i didn't well it would be nice to find out but i didn't want to even try to find out much about her or who she is or anything because I know that privacy was very, very important to her. She really didn't want to be out there. But I really hope that she's thriving. Um, that after seeing something so dark that night that, you know, the rest of her life has just been beautiful. Um, let's hope so. I feel so bad for these women. I know this, this woman survived, but um, you survived but you're left with so much, you know, like imagine trying to go to sleep at night after that, you know, feeling secure in your home when you, you thought you were, you locked your doors, you did what you were supposed to do, or, you know, even if you didn't, like you were living in this town that you felt safe. And then it's not even like she awoken to him breaking in, like she awoke to him on top of her. He managed to get in her house, get to her, you know, especially having a baby. Like, can you, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard, right? Even as a survivor, like the things you have to live with, it just would always, always do something like you're, you're different after that. So the police didn't issue any kind of warnings to the public to make the area aware that this happened. Um, now, this will be the cause of a lawsuit in the future by the next victim, which I'll get into with the next victim stuff. But, um, yeah, so they didn't tell anyone about it. They didn't put it public. You know, it, 
may have been nice to be like, hey, ladies, if you're listening, lock your windows and doors. Never go to bed with your window open. Um, you know, just be extra safe. All right. So less than two weeks after on September 30th, a woman named Lori, I will give her name. I'm just going to give her first name though. Um, she has been very public. Like I said, she's done lawsuits. She's done a lot of interviews, TV interviews and stuff. Like you can find her. I mean, she's all over the place. Uh, and she really tries to bring forth some victims rights, which you'll see why there as well. Uh, as I said, she did file some lawsuits. So she called the police to report an assault, much like the other one. The main difference was that he had spent more time in her home. And, uh, so there was more photos and they got the pictures that he took were like more invasive kind of poses. Um, so Lori woke up after being hit in the head repeatedly by a flashlight uh, he then put his arm around her neck, choking her. They struggled for a bit and he was able to blindfold her and bound her. He then agreed. This is what's fucking weird, man. He then agreed to get her aspirin because she had a headache. I never understand these like killers and stuff, right? Or these like attackers. They're so vicious and like, oh yeah, yeah. I'll go rape you and kill you and stuff. But, oh, you have a headache? Oh, that, that fucking sucks. Let me go get you an aspirin so you're more comfortable for me to fucking ruin your life. Like, it's real fucked, right? Uh, it, shit like that is always wild. Like, it's almost like there's a battle between them. Like, there's, like, the little devil and the angel on the sides, you know, where one is like, oh, this poor girl, like, she's a headache now because I'm such a piece of shit. I should help her. But then, you know, the other part of them is like, still going to kill them or whatever. I don't know. It's so fucked that like they almost have a slight moment where they're human and have a little bit of empathy, but then it's fucking gone because of their insane, creepy urges or fetishes, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I don't know. It's weird. So anyways, he, he goes, gets her some aspirin. Uh, he bound her hands with wire. She said it hurt. So then he fucking adjusts it and fixes it. So, again, <laughs> let me make you comfortable, but not really, because I'm going to make you do some weird shit. Oh, God. Anyways, um, he said he wouldn't kill her and asked her some personal questions, again, like the previous girl. He touched her and she protested. He proceeded to take 29 photos. Uh, he cut her shirt and bra off with a knife. She took her own pants off because she did not want that motherfucker to touch her, which, yeah, I get it. Uh, she refused to open her legs and he pried them open. He told her she, she would not be raped if she got, if he got all the pictures that he wanted. So like, Hey, so I won't rape you, but like, do what I say. Cool. So the final picture of her uh, was on the couch, blindfolded, covered with a blanket. And uh, he just randomly took his dick out and, like, put it in the corner of the photo so you could see it, like, in front of the lens. And then she's in the background. Like, this guy's fucking weird, I'm telling you, man. 
the weird i'm gonna post some pictures obviously not of that but um, i'm gonna post a few pictures of this man it's giving you some real big btk vibes guys because he loves women's lingerie and wearing it <laughs> so uh yeah another picture of the same night but it was after so it was in a different location uh there's a picture of him in the mirror with her underwear over his head that he just took yeah told you he's fucking weird so uh this is where some of the lawsuit comes in because later she testified uh that after the police responded to her call they had her stayed tied up naked in the harness that her like attacker had made and forced her into laying in bed they just covered her up with a blanket uh for like five hours because they wanted forensic photographers and stuff to take pictures of how he had left her what she was looked like and her bounds and all that stuff listen you don't need her to be in that fucking pose and in the harness and everything for the photographers take the fucking harness off throw it on the floor and take a picture of it then <laughs> pretty sure you could use your imagination of what it looked like on her like this is so fucked up so can you imagine so you're just like violated completely all you want to do is like get in your comfy clothes borrow i don't know up in like a ball for comfort and these guys make you sit there so fucking uncomfortable in this weird contraption that you've just been tortured into wearing for hours already it, it's such a fucking mental fuck is what it is I, I feel so bad for her um for what she has gone through not bad for her because this girl is she's strong like she she fucking went and done the shit after like again we'll get into it so uh, she was also not given any medical attention. Uh, as hard as this is to believe, right? It is proven in a lawsuit later and she does get awarded $7 million because the mental anguish that this all would lead to. I'm just going to break it down one more time. <laughs> this woman was sexually assaulted by a mass man, broke into her home, victimized and violated her like she doesn't feel safe she feels like she has no privacy no nothing like just horrible situation he undresses her puts her into some sort of harness uh tied her up humiliated her took photos and videos of her for three and a half hours she finally gets to call the police they're on their way and she's like oh my god like amazing you know like they're gonna come save me and they just fucking left her that way that she was she they left her the way that she was forced into by her attacker for three and a half hours i just need that to sink in because <laughs> i can't even believe it like imagine if you were just raped in an alley and you're like you know what you're gonna have to stay lying there with your clothes off just just give us some time we got photographers coming like what come on 
there's other ways, man. You take her and get some medical attention and get her checked out. Like, that's number one. <sighs> Anyways, uh, so she even recalled later in, like I said, when she testified, uh, she overheard one of the officers on one of the radios saying that she was crazy and making it up. So she put herself in this position, bound her hands up, and called the police, all traumatic, crying, and stressed out. And yeah, she made it up. Because, you know, you make this shit up. It's not like she was accusing some guy she knew. Like, this is so fucked up. Some guy comes in your house at night, attacks you, and you're going to be accused of making it up. Anyways, uh, these la these officers will later apologize. Like I said, she does get that settlement. Um, but she has done interviews stating her pain and suffering since that night and that... She said, I haven't been myself. Like, I'm not myself anymore. I'm a different person, which, yeah, I fucking 100% get it. She spent around 12 hours that day with investigators feeling like they had no empathy for her. Basically acting like she was lying. Uh, like, wasn't given any medical attention. They didn't look for any DNA on her, anything. Then, after 12 hours of being, like tortured essentially like mentally tortured um they're like oh yeah there was a another attack like a couple weeks ago that's like exactly like this one okay so for hours and hours and hours you treated her like a liar like she was making everything up and pretending but it matches exactly like another attack that you told no one it wasn't public no one knows about it Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So I hope she was able to get some help uh, to cope and like move forward in life. Like I said, she has done a lot of interviews and uh, she seems like she is doing, I mean, better or what you'd ex hope, hope to expect, right? She seems very grounded and like a good person. Um, and I, I hope she feels like a survivor, you know, not a victim. I think that's important that you survive this, you're not a victim to it, that it doesn't take over her whole life. All right, so the police had no idea who this masked man could be. They did look into one of her neighbors and they searched his home and stuff, but he was quickly ruled out. On November 25th, 2009, a man was concerned when his girlfriend didn't show up to dinner. She was 38-year-old Corporal Marie Kamye of Brighton, Ontario. So she was a corporal in the military. Her boyfriend went to her home, found her dead body in bed under a duvet. Her autopsy revealed a struggle, rape, and then suffocated to death. She was buried on December 4th in the cemetery in Ottawa for people in the military. A couple months pass with not much progress shown to the public. No one really knew what was going on. But as we know, they never show their full hand. That much is held back to the vest. On January 28th, 2010, 27-year-old Jessica Lloyd sends a text to a friend at 10.36 p.m. The next day, she doesn't show up to work, which is weird. She isn't found at her home either, so concerns start setting in. They call police. 
On January 30th, the police public publicly asked for help, stating her disappearance as suspicious. On the 31st, they start helicopter searches and combing the highways. Uh, the biggest piece of evidence they had to go on was, well, for any kind of lead, was a very distinctive tire thread at Jessica's home near a tree line about 100 yards away. They also recovered some foot impressions as well outside her home. Uh, on February 4th, the OPP, which is the Ontario Provincial Police. So if you're from America, it's basically like the FBI, or sorry, the state police. So they cover the highways and smaller towns that don't have their own police departments. Um, they decided this time, this, sorry, this tire thread was so distinctive that they're going to start checking all the cars that pass through on the highway. Yeah. Fucking good old fashioned police work, folks. So this is when they noticed a match on a pathfinder driven by a, nam a man named Russell Williams. Uh, sorry, uh, I didn't mention Colonel Russell Williams of the Canadian Air Force. That is right, folks. He's a fucking colonel in the Air Force. So they just check. They write him down in the book. You know, this guy, he has matching tires, whatever. We'll look into him. He goes on his way. Then uh, they go check the systems and stuff. Turns out he has a connection to each of the victims. What is that connection, you ask? Well, <laughs> he had a cottage in Tweed, Ontario, where both of those girls were assaulted. Actually, he lived literally like two or three houses away from Lori. Correct. Uh, the corporal who was attacked or who was found, who was found dead, you know, Corporal Marie. Yeah. Uh, she worked with him. He said only on one occasion, uh, later when asked about it, but she worked with him like she knew him. Yeah. They worked at the same place in Trenton in the Air Force. <clears throat> uh, so yeah, fucking bananas. Oh, and, uh. Jessica, what the connection was, I mean, is the tire print, right? <laughs> the tire print, the footprints. Uh, he also has to drive by her area to go home because he lives in Ottawa. He works in Trenton, lives in Ottawa, has a cottage in Tweed, and then Brighton is kind of like on the way in between there. So with that, they're like, holy fuck, like this guy has some kind of connection to all these. So we got to look into this. So at 3 p.m., on February 7th, Russell was brought in to be interrogated by Detective Staff Sergeant James Smith. By 7.45 p.m., after showing the tire and shoe imprints that matched his, he confessed. And what a fucking confession it is. He is so, like, uncaring, too. When he, when he, I'm gonna post it, like, the link. You can go watch it. It's, like, uh, almost three hours long, I think. Uh, they cut out some of the little things. But uh, you can go watch it. It is a bit interesting, but man, he just answers the questions like so like casual. No cares. Like as if being this sadistic creep isn't even embarrassing or anything. His biggest concern is for his wife. Oh yeah, this piece of shit's married. So he mentions... He basically confesses because he finds out that 
they are tearing through his home in Ottawa, which is a brand new home, his wife's dream home, I guess. Like, they've been working on it, and she's obsessed with this fucking house. She's still in it, FYI. Uh, so she's obsessed with this house. Um, he's like, I don't want you to tear up my home. I know what you're going to find. You are going to find things, so I'll just tell you where it is. You can leave my wife in the house alone so she can have her stupid fucking house. <laughs> so... Before I get to the confession, let's find out who this shit stain was before his arrest. He was born in Broomsgrove, Worcestershire. Oh boy. <laughs> Worcestershire, England. Guys, I'm sorry if you hate my pronunciations. Um, I look it up beforehand too and I just completely fucking forget it. So, you know. I don't have all the equipment to pause for a second and go listen. So I will, I will at some point. <laughs> so on March 7th, 1963, uh, his family immigrated to Canada where his father worked in a nuclear research laboratory. When he was six, his parents divorced. And this is what's fucking super weird. Okay. So his parents were apparently swingers, which, hey, if you're into that, cool, go, go do you. Well, if you're both into that, you know, don't don't force anyone to be into that kind of shit. But uh, so they had become real close with a family, with another family. Like the kids were friends. The parents all became close friends. Turns out they were also like swinging with them. It's like, yeah, all having sex together, I guess. Uh, so the mom, they got a divorce. So did the other couple. And they all switch partners. Like the mom married that guy and that guy, or sorry, and the the dad married the other guy's woman. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's like in a movie, <laughs> a movie where you're like, that's real weird. <laughs> so uh, they moved to Scarborough, Scarborough, Jesus, uh, which is an area of greater Toronto area. Uh, in 1979, his family moved to South Korea uh he instead finished school in a, in a boarding school he went on to study economics and political science at the university of toronto graduating in 1986 with a bachelor of arts in university he was known to do silly pranks but oddly enough mostly it involved like hiding in people's rooms in their dorm rooms and stuff for hours to, like, surprise them or scare them when they got home. Guys, hours. Hours. I understand a good old prank, but, like, I ain't gonna go sit in your closet for, like, three hours waiting for you to get home. Like, that ain't fucking happening. Anyway, um, I, you know, in university, I understand, uh, not even university. I like a good prank. Who doesn't? It's just real weird that that's kind of his thing, right? <laughs> Hiding in people's houses and watching what they're at. So it's fucking weird. So in university, he became obsessed with the movie Top Gun, which only became fitting that he wanted to become a pilot. So at the same time, he applied both to the RCMP, which is the Royal Canadian, Canadian Mounted Police, uh, for other countries, so these guys are like the leading law enforcers of the country. They're basically the equivalency. Like in America, you guys have FBI, the, you know, 
the DEA, the ATF, you have Homeland Security, Secret Service, you have U.S. Marshals, you have all these different things. In Canada, we have one, and it's just the the RCMP, which they do all of that. They have, like, the sub subsections of all of that. But, uh, yeah, so he applied to them, and he also applied to the Canadian Armed Forces, which is our military, clearly. <laughs> uh, he was accepted into both. And he decided to go with the military. So he joined and he became the small one percenters to pass the pilot processing testing. Uh, when you do join the Canadian Armed Forces, you do have to write a test. And I guess uh, you have to have really high on this one special test in order to become a pilot uh it's it's quite difficult it's probably the hardest thing i believe in the military to do so well like testing wise or whatever you have to pass a certain thing um yeah and i guess he was part of the one percent that does pass so he was smart i mean it's sad that he chose this path because he was on such a great path with the military uh with his career and everything it, it, it he just ruins everything like it's so sad so all right so three years later in manitoba while working as a flight instructor he met mary she was five years older a year later they married in 1991 in 1995 he transferred to ottawa and mary became an executive with the heart and stroke foundation so they both led very high like prestigious careers uh, neighbors said they were very quiet, very private. Uh, as I said, Mary had her dream house built in Ottawa and they also had that cottage in Tweed where, you know, uh, Russell could go be a fucking creep. So in 2005, this dirtbag, this mother fucking piece of shit received the honor of piloting the queen herself. Miss Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip and like the prime minister and some other fucking dignitary people, whatever. But he got to meet the fucking queen. I am so upset by this because I love the queen. You know, I know a lot of people will hate on uh, the royal family and stuff now. It's not the same as it used to be. Um, I like the history of it all, but some of them, I, I won't get into the names. I don't, I don't like a lot of them right now. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people do. Uh, but fuck, man, I love Queen Elizabeth. I, uh, it's so upsetting. I, I was so mad when I saw this and read about it and saw the picture of him with the queen. It irritated me so much. Um, yeah, so he got to meet her. Uh, after this, he became the commander of an airbase in Dubai, Supporting the troops in Afghanistan, uh, he later returned to Ottawa in a more administrative role because he got chronic back arthritis, so it's hard for him to fly anymore. Uh, in July of 2009, he was promoted to colonel and the commander at the Trenton Air Base. That's like the main air base, pretty much here. Uh, I've been there a few times. It's great. They have a lot of cool old planes and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh my god. No, never mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I wonder if he was there when I was there. Anyways, okay. 
This was early 2000s. Yeah, shit. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> uh, in July of 2009, he was... Oh, sorry, shit. I already said that. <laughs> During these promotions uh, is when his sexual crimes began with fetish burglaries. Yeah, you heard it right. So at the age of 44, September 8th, 2007... He broke into a neighbor's home when they were when they had left. Like he watched them leave. He spent three hours inside their home. Can you guess where? Uh, in their twelve-year-old daughter's bedroom. Three hours in a twelve-year-old's bedroom. Yep. He took thirty-six photos of her bedroom, her closet, her bed, and her underwear. He had like such a thing for fucking underwear. Uh in the final photo taken, he was masturbating on this girl's bed, naked, uh, wearing, not completely naked, sorry, wearing some of the 12-year-old's underwear and holding them as he was masturbating on her bed. And these, can you imagine the fact that they didn't even know? Like, she came home, probably went on living life, and then all of a sudden, like, Police have photos of this guy in your bedroom doing that shit on your fucking bed. How disgusting that is. <sighs> so he, uh, he stole six pairs of her underwear. He then returned three more times, stealing two more items and taking 53 more photos. So you may be wondering about these photos. Well, when they seized his computer, they found like thousands of photos like this. Which is why we have so many details of everything. Like, it's insane the amount that came. Like, they have a timeline of everything this fucker's ever done. Because of all, how much he recorded things, videos, journals, it's bananas. So, uh, he took 41 additional pictures of himself naked and masturbating with or in the underwear. So he had some underwear fetishes, clearly. Like I said, he was much like BTK. Like, it was a weird mixture of it, like wearing it, taking photos of it, having them. Um, the two years before the first attack, he broken into over 80 homes, stealing lingerie. And, like, what's crazy is most of these people didn't even know that someone had broken into their home and done this shit. Because what are you doing? Like, oh, my God. Like... If you came home and nothing was gone, nothing was moved, except you go to, like, put on a pair of underwear that isn't there, you can't find them, you're not thinking someone came in your house and stole a pair of your underwear. Would you even notice if, like, a pair was gone? Unless it's, like, maybe your favorite pair or something. Like, I don't know. It's so crazy. Can you imagine that you, like, never know? You never know a thing until one day some guy's arrested and then there's photos out there. I told you I'm going to post them. So there's photos out there and all of a sudden you're like, holy fuck, that's my underwear that's been missing. He He's fucking wearing them. Uh, how chilling that would be. Anyways, so Tweed was usually, or Tweed was a usual location for his burglaries. Most of them happened there uh, in the late night, early mornings. Usually places uh, he could walk to. It's so weird. Um... That this guy's married, right? Like, so he works a full-time job with the armed forces in Trenton. But he's also, like, going out for hours and hours in the middle of the night walking around. 
and like has a camera bag with him probably some kind of knapsack for you know his other things that he would take and so he can steal all the underwear it just seems so weird to me like i don't know man maybe she wasn't around maybe she just is a heavy sleeper i'd feel real weird if my husband got up every night at like 11 12 o'clock grabbed his camera and a knapsack and went for like three four hours <laughs> uh he stated he he stated he preferred late teens to early 30s yet more than 25 percent of the targeted raids that's what you call them like the house raids uh he had stolen underwear from mostly young teens as young as 12 so nope you sir are a pedo during his late plea deal he wouldn't admit to the children stuff of it all uh he didn't want to be classified as a pedophile so uh they also found a bunch of child pornography on his computer so sir that's what you are yep yeah, fucking as if you couldn't get worse you know like fuck so in total he did about 82 of these fetish burglaries 48 of those were separate homes um one place he revisited nine times like this guy went back to the same house nine times and stole 186 items like these people had to fucking know that like or maybe they thought they had a ghost. Like, all of a sudden, everything everything in their house is gone. Uh, sometimes he'd break into the same home, like I said, multiple times. Even on the same night. Like, he would do, like, two, three houses sometimes in one night. It's fucking crazy, man. Uh, approximately 15 times he was unsuccessful due to alarms, dogs, owners returning home. Uh, he sometimes did, like I said, multiple houses at once. Uh... Like when did the when did he sleep? I'm sitting here now. It's morning time and I've got my fucking big ass can of monster cuz I can't stay awake for shit ever. Like I'm always tired. <laughs> when did he sleep? And I had a good night's sleep, I think. Maybe I wasn't. I don't fucking know. So like I I'm in bed at like 8 like I want to be in bed by 8 p.m. honestly, 9 p.m. This guy had a whole fucking second life at night. Like as soon as the as soon as the sun went down, he's like a different fucking person. It's like he has a whole new I don't know. It's so crazy to me. Out of all these break-ins, only 17 were reported. So out of 82 times he broke into people's houses, 17 were reported. That's what I'm saying. Most people didn't even fucking know. Because what are you going to do? Like I said, oh my God, I'm missing a pair of underwear. Call the police. Like, you know, you don't fucking think about it. Nothing else was touched. So, uh, also, like, how much underwear do people own, guys? <laughs> I feel like I'd notice if, like, ten pairs of underwear were gone. Because he would steal between five to ten items almost at every home. I feel like I would fucking notice if ten pairs of underwear were missing. Like, I'm sorry, guys, does someone want to message me? Like, how how much underwear do you have do you have like a shit ton of underwear or something like hundreds of pieces of underwear i don't know i just find that real weird <laughs> but uh i don't know i guess you wouldn't think that some creep came in and stole your underwears maybe you thought i don't know the laundry oh my god is that where the whole like the 
dryer eat my laundry thing came from. So hold on to your socks, guys. Or, you know, Russell might steal them because listen to this fucking shit. In that short amount of time, his crimes went from September 2007 to November 2009. Okay, so two years. In that amount of time, he, he had accumulated, <laughs> get ready, 1,366 pieces of stolen lingerie. 1,366 pieces of fucking, like, underwear and bras. Yeah, just let, let that sink in. Uh, he had 2,937 photos of his crimes, uh, mostly of women's bedrooms and their underwear. There were also photos and videos of his attacks and murders. Oh, yeah, he took full videos of him murdering those two women. Uh, they also found screenshots of news log, uh, and, uh, he logged his crimes in detail. I, I like I said, <laughs> so, uh, he would also take some personal photos as well. Um, taking, and like, he would go into someone's house, like say that 12 year old took like a shit ton of stuff of her house, like pictures and everything. But then he would take, like, photos of their family portraits and passports and stuff, like, to get, like, more personal with their life. Like, he's fucking weird, man. This is even more wild. Sometimes he'd leave a weird message. He went into one girl's room, and on the computer he typed merci, which is thank you in French. So he opened, like, a Word document or whatever and typed it on the screen and left it. Imagine, like, so your underwear is missing, you come home, and, like, you go to go on your computer and it says thank you. Like, it's fucking weird, man. Another of his journal entries stated that he began to escalate, uh, ah, <laughs> he began to escalate his crimes. Uh, he, so he started watching a woman for, like, 30 minutes when she went into the shower. He stripped naked and went into her home and, like, stood outside the shower. Fucking imagine. He wanted to take her bra and underwear from the bathroom floor as she was showering, but he thought it was too risky. So this girl, he's watching her, gets undressed, gets in the shower. He gets naked, goes in her house, stands there like creeping outside the bathroom door. And he wanted to go and steal her underwear and stuff from the floor. I'm telling you, man, it's so fucked up. Like that... Imagine that woman who this happened to. I don't know if she ever found out it was her or what. Probably not. But like, fuck, man, you were in. This is a nightmare. This is like a horror movie. You were in the shower and there was a man lurking outside it. <laughs> that is literally what nightmares are made of. <laughs> My God. Uh, another entry. This fucked. Like, this girl is 14. Okay. So this is his entry, like word for word. This is what he wrote in. Uh, she's 14 years old. So he said, I've been, wait I've been wanting to get into the daughter's bedroom for a long time. After I collected what I wanted, I stripped naked in the backyard. 
I was jerking off, prepared to go back in and get a shot, a shot on her sheets when dad came home. The daughter followed in 10 minutes later. While I was in her room, I moved the guitar so I could see her bed from outside. I watched her lie down and within 10 minutes turn out the light. Unfortunately, I didn't catch her changing. Maybe tomorrow night. So not only is he out lurking, being all weird in the middle of the night, then he goes home and like journals it, uploads some photos and writes a whole fucking like journal log about his night. God fucked. So yeah, that girl was 14. Okay. So pedophile, my son, my friend, pedophile, not my friend. Ew, gross. Anyway, he's gross. You're my friend. <laughs> uh, once he escalates his attacks, Here's his account of the chilling event of Jane Doe. Uh, he said he only knew her visually, never met her. He entered her home by sliding open a screen window. After the attack, which left the woman haunted and scared and forever changed, he broke into her home three more times after this. Yeah, the first time. Uh, was the very next night no one was home because, you know, she's probably like, I'm never going back to that fucking house again. Uh, he stole more of her items. M more things. Like, you just attacked this girl last night and you go back in today and steal more of her fucking underwear. Anyway. So the following night, he went back again. This time, her husband had returned, so he didn't go in. A third time, he went back on the 22nd. This was now he took some photos of her license and some other items. So the police are like checking the computer and they're like, holy fuck. Days later, he fucking went back in her house and took photos of her IDs. Like, so strange. As uh, for Lori, he said he didn't know her personally either. He just picked her because she lived alone and lived close to him. He raided her home twice before her attack. The first time was on the 24th of September. After this attack, he took photos of the newspaper reports of his crime. Uh, they found seven photos of newspapers burning in his fireplace. Yep. So, like, it was reported in the newspaper. He took photos of the newspaper and then took photos of it burning in his fireplace. Yeah. Okay. Five more of his burglaries took place before the first murder. Uh, he also broke into Marie's home on November 17th, stole seven items, and took 52 photos over a two-hour period. Uh, Marie was a civil employee at the Trenton base and an acquaintance of Russell's. So although he stated he picked the house because the woman there lived alone, I mean, he fucking knew who she was. Again, he went to her home 5 a.m. this time and stole 44 items of lingerie a porno, and a sex toy. She returned uh, later that day. This is what's fucked. So she called a friend concerned because she noticed her shit was gone. And she was on the phone with her friend like, oh my God, should I call the police? Because like I have some missing stuff, right? So anyway, then she leaves, whatever. This is fucked. Well, she comes back a few hours later. How did he know about the phone call? Because... When she comes back, hold on, I'm all fucked up here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she talked about the police and everything because later that night, when he went back inside, he stole 116 
more item. How much fucking lingerie did this woman have? <laughs> he stole 116 more items. He stole like 200 things just from her house in one day. But this is the fucked up part. He typed on the computer in the Word document, go ahead and call the police. I want to show the judge you're really big dildos. So this motherfucker must have been inside the home that entire day, which means he was lurking in her home for like 20 hours. 20 hours, guys. Because how else would he have known she called her friend and said she was thinking about calling the police? 20 hours inside this lady's home, which we knew. No, he's kind of capable of, you know, he'd play pranks for like three, four hours, sit in someone's closet. Okay. Uh, anyway, that's fucked. So one week later is when he returned to her home. He entered through the basement and hid behind the furnace. This is horrific. Warning. Terrifying situation about to happen. She was about to go to bed. She went to find her cat for bedtime snuggles. I do this every night. Guess where the kitty was? In the basement, staring at this vile monster hiding in the shadows behind the furnace. This poor cat's just sitting there staring at him. Like, get the fuck out of my house. She comes down to get her cat, looks up to what the cat is staring at, and fucking sees him. I'm sorry, that's so terrifying. <laughs> so he struck her, uh, he struck her multiple times. They had a huge fight. He bound her uh, with rope that he had brought. He began taking photos of her in the basement. He tied her to a pole. He was carefully replaced the screen of the pole. Uh, sorry. <laughs> he replaced the screen on the window. Sorry, my cat's fucking around and distracting me. He's like pulling on my wires here. <laughs> but he's so cute. Uh, yeah, sorry, guys. Jesus. So he replaced the screen on the window where he broke into so no one would notice it was gone because he planned on being there a fucking while. Uh, he then broke a key off in the front door so no one could open the door. Like, this fucker. He covered the window with a sheet. He then went to the basement where they had another struggle. Uh, he managed to get her up the stairs, took four more photos of the damage to her face. He then carried her to her bedroom where he videotaped the rape lasting nearly two hours. He put a towel around her head, fastened it with tape. As she regained consciousness, she complained of the restraints. He ignored her. At one point, he left the room. She took off and ran. She fled to the bathroom. Unfortunately, she was caught and hit in the head again. Uh, at the end of the video, he ejaculates into his hand and flushes it. This guy's fucking weird. Also, uh, this is horrifying. In the video, she, like, begs for her life, telling him she really wants to live so badly. He asked her if she expects to live. She said yes, and she said, I'll be so good. Like, fuck. Imagine. That's so awful. He then took photos uh, with her lingerie over her, then raped her again. He said he promised not to kill her. Uh, then he walked over, covered her mouth and nose with a piece of duct tape, and watched her suffocate to death. So, cool. He then took two more photos of her dead body. 
He removed the tape, bleached her sheets, covered her in the duvet, and left to go to a meeting in Ottawa. So he did all this, then went to work. Like, well, to like a big fancy meeting. With the military. Uh, He'd also stole more items, of course. The day she was found, same day, which is fucking bananas, okay? He was participating in a fundraiser where you pay the police department to go and arrest someone for fun for like an hour. So where I'm from, like in Newfoundland, we used to do this. I don't know if they still do or not. Uh, You could pay and like have someone go get arrested and they'd bring them over and sit in the jail for a little bit. It was fun. A lot of people would do it. Uh, So he was doing this at the time and got fake arrested and put in like a, in the jail the same day that he had just murdered someone. So how fucked up is that? So in the following days, he took 89 photos of news articles uh, and Facebook pages dedicated to her. Another fucked up thing. He sent her father a condolence letter. This fucking scumbag. Like, I know he would have to, pretty much. Like, you know, you're you're the colonel of, like, that area that she works in. Like, you're the commander, basically, of that area. It's one of your workers. So I get it. But you're the one who fucking did it, you piece of shit. Anyway... As for the murder of Jessica, he said he noticed her on the treadmill one day in her window because he's a fucking creep and likes to stare at people. He broke in the next evening to see if she lived alone. Later that night, he returned when she she was home. She was awoken to the smack in the head. He then tied her up, duct taped her. He duct taped her eyes, actually. Uh, He took photos and videos of her in her underwear and cut them off. He recorded close-ups of her private parts, and then he performed oral sex on her, then raped her. Uh, This went on for three fucking hours. Then he took her in his car, brought her to his cottage in Tweed, Ontario, emailed in sick from work. At his cottage, he washed her in the shower. He then let her sleep for a couple hours, because, you know, what a decent guy. (laughs) Idiot. She later had a seizure. At this point, Russell tried to help her and, like, comfort her. Oh, but he videotaped it all. Uh, You know, so caring that he raped her. She has a seizure and he's like, oh, my God, stay with me. You'll be okay. But also recording every moment. Uh, She's also in the video begging for her life. Said, if you kill me, make sure my mom knows I love her. Like, Jesus Christ. She was very distressed, so he allowed her to sleep again. He allowed her, guys, to sleep. Uh, Unbound this time, but still blindfolded. He then woke her, saying, Hey, just want to have sex one more time, okay? Then you can go. So he then took pictures of her in multiple lingerie again. Uh, They each performed oral sex. She was forced, of course. Uh, Then he raped her again. The final photo of her, this is fucking so sad and haunting the final photo of her she is sitting dressed on the bed duct tape still covering her eyes eating a plate of fruit given to her in the final photo she is smiling thinking she was ready to be released because you know he told her he would gave her her clothes to put back on gave her some food 
She's smiling, thinking she's getting to leave to go home and see her mother again. Then he fucking smacks her so hard, her skull caves in from the flashlight. He then strangled her to death with a rope, took more photos of her. He spent 19 hours with Jessica in total. He then placed her body in his garage because, you know, he had to go to work. After work, he returned home to his wife. You know, a little quick check-in. I've been gone for like a week, but hey, how's it going? The following day, he returned to his cottage in Tweed to dump the body. He did so in a wooded area, wrapped her in towels and duct tape. During the assault on Jessica, he took 325 photos, a lot of, like, screenshots of the news articles as well. With the full confession, he drew a map to where Jessica's body was. Because at this point, they still hadn't found her. They just knew it was him. So Russell Williams was charged with two counts of first-degree murder, forcible confinement, break and entering, sexual assault. When he was arrested, they uh, combed through all the assaults and murders and missing persons anywhere near him, but found no other connections. Like I said, he detailed everything on his computer and pictures and fucking his blog or whatever the fuck journal in april he was placed on suicide watch because he attempted to swallow a foil filled tube he left a suicide note in his cell written in mustard like you fucking piece of shit should have been wish it had to happen this world does not need to waste money on you and time on you now remember guys this is in canada my lovely country where people get bullshit sentences, right? How we can put this piece of shit should be put to death, right? Like, why don't we have the death penalty for this shit? I know some people are against it, but when someone is a complete piece of human garbage, we should just get rid of them. I'm sorry. I don't care. He doesn't deserve to fucking be housed, clothed, fed every day on taxpayers' money. Like, I, I don't want to give my fucking taxes over to paying for this piece of shit to get to still live. Like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> uh, anyway, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% pro death penalty. I think in certain cases, like, why, why have them continue existence? They're, they ain't contributing. They ain't fucking doing shit. Anyways, uh, meanwhile, our citizens, you know, homeless people, like I said, can't even fucking afford to eat because groceries, everything's so expensive. Anyway, enough with the political shit. <laughs> he was given two life terms to run concurrently, meaning in only 25 years, he is, has a chance to be paroled. 25 years. So he's given life, but in 25 years, he could be like, hey, I feel so bad. I'm a great person and get out why the fuck would you put the life sentences to run at the same time though why would you put them to run like that and not after another so you guarantee he stays in jail for life i'm so fucking confused here so he killed and raped people and was a fucking pedophile like make him do 25 years or sorry 50 years without a possibility of parole why not fucking canada man the place where you can go murder someone and get out in no time sorry i just i fucking hate our law system <laughs> uh, so this part is great though after his conviction the governor general revoked russell's commissions 
He expelled him from the armed forces. This is insane. I don't think they've ever done anything like this. This is bananas. Uh, like, it's great. Um, I don't think they've ever... Well, I'm sure they've done things similar in situations, but uh, this is pretty pretty good. Uh, they took his military... They removed his military decorations. That's like the pins and stuff for the terms that he didn't say Afghanistan as an example. Uh he was, however, allowed his pension of 60000 a year. Um, I mean, that's whatever. Uh, when his uniform was given back to the armed forces, they burned it. They're like, no one wants that fucking uniform. Burn it. Uh, <laughs> they cut his medals into pieces. They shredded his commission scroll and his vehicle, the Pathfinder, that was crushed and scrapped and scrapped yep which i thought that was great i i love that i i really do that they did that because he fucking sucks that's what i'm saying man this guy had such a big promising career and like did so much and it's just gone like it's you fucking completely ruined everything that you've done so he currently resides in a maximum security prison in quebec uh, Lori also sued Russell and his wife because uh, she she had a big thing that she thought the wife knew. And there's a lot of stuff about it online if you want to get into it. I don't know. I don't know if she did. I don't know if, you know, I don't know what kind of person she is. Um, I know that, I mean, most of them don't know, you know. It, it's not like a, you look at all these serial killers and stuff and their they're family, most people don't know. You know, it's not easy. You believe the best in someone. If she did know he was all weird and doing the break and entering stuff, fine. But I, I don't know, man. I don't want to say she didn't or she did. Uh, there was statements from her lawyers and stuff saying that she wasn't and that her life has, like, been also ruined, right? Like, she's still... I mean, let's say she didn't know about anything because we don't know she did. I, I don't know, man. You don't know, right? Um... Most of the time, they don't know, like, let's be real. But, uh, you know, imagine, like, one day your husband's just gone. Like, uh, your whole life that you'd built with him was, like, a lie and done. You know, like, it's fucked. So, I feel bad for her as well. I'm hoping she didn't know and that she is also just kind of uh, a victim to this. Not, not like, you know. <laughs> okay, so, um... So, like I said, that was never proven that the wife did know anything. There is a lot of articles on it, though. It's just so much. Um, but she did win the settlement uh, in December 2010. Or, sorry, she did win the settlement. It doesn't say how much money she got out of it. December 2010th, Mary filed for a divorce. Uh, although, as far as I could find, like, all I can really find was an update three years after uh, when she filed for divorce and the divorce still wasn't gone through yet. So I think they are still married. She does still live in that Ottawa home. I, I don't know what their situation is though. If they talk, if they anything like, I don't know, man, I think that's fucking weird. How could you stay married to such a pile of shit? He literally is a fucking pedophile, a rapist and a murderer. And you're still married. I, I don't know guys. That's fucking weird. I will say that part to me is strange. 
All right, guys, I am going to go get ready for work. <laughs> Start my day because it is only 830 in the morning. All right. I hope everyone has a lovely day. Um, like I said, please enjoy the holidays. Find something to uh, find the good in it. Don't stress yourself out. Money's just money. I know. It's hard to say that because, you know, I never understand the people that say money don't buy you happiness. Like, I'm pretty sure if I was, like, on a beach vacation, I'd be pretty fucking happy. <laughs> but anyway, I get it. You know, family is everything. Friends are everything. Please try to surround yourself with that in the holiday season. Uh, love you guys. Have a great time. Like I said, send an email, whatever. Follow uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, What A Killer Podcasts. Uh, I also have a Patreon. I have not started doing anything on it yet. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I will start doing things soon. I'm trying to get some interviews together and those are going to be Patreon episodes if you did want to subscribe. All right. Love ya, peoples. Enjoy. I'll hopefully have something out soon, probably before the holidays again, so we can have this whole talk all over. <laughs> all right. Bye.